0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Before I bring you the word from God for today, let's spend a moment praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for all that you have done and accomplished for us in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the kingdom of God that you have put within us. And we pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be upon us now, that we will receive revelation of your truth into our hearts, and that you will give us the grace to respond to this message in the way that will glorify you. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Two or three weeks ago, I spoke to you last about how God's intention is that all of us should be good stewards of what He has entrusted to us. And Jesus made it clear to His disciples that God has chosen to give us his kingdom. And we saw that is not a place, of course, but it is where Jesus Christ rules and reigns. So God has established his rule and reign in our hearts and lives from the moment that we were born again. So that moment of new birth is is not an end it's a beginning it's a beginning of a new life a new life in the kingdom of god with the kingdom of god living within us and we saw and what pastor clive was sharing last week it's quite obvious that what god wants is to establish his character and his life the life and the power of his kingdom in our lives And we've seen also how, therefore, all of us have a share in the responsibility of seeing the kingdom of God extended, of seeing the kingdom of God expanded, of doing whatever we can to be witnesses of the kingdom, to be witnesses of the truth, to those who will share the gospel with others. And, of course, we have this wonderful opportunity in the coming weeks of uh, tuning in to uh, Pastor Andy Elms, Series that he's doing on how to be soul winners. Now, during these last months of lockdown, I haven't been doing uh, what has been the custom for many years, and that is a a weekly keynote uh, address. They were things that I used to do midweek in. Uh, the Bible School, and then in between with the team uh, at Roffy, and they were just audio messages. What we're going to be doing starting in a few weeks' time is to have uh, another series of keynote addresses every week, midweek teaching, which will go up on YouTube and on our website, And this will begin with a series about the kingdom of God, which is really the theme that we're running with at this time uh, in, in the church. And I'm going to be talking about the various principles of the kingdom. You know, Satan's dominion is divided against itself, so that will fall. But wherever the kingdom of God is established, there is unity, and because his kingdom is run by very positive and definite principles. And throughout the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels and of the uh, early Christians in the epistles, we have very clearly the principles of these these, uh, kingdom principles delineated for us. We see very clearly that these are the principles by which God organizes, if you like, runs or expresses his kingdom life in the life of believers. And there are several of those principles, and I'm not going to attempt to uh, name them all now because that would just be a list which wouldn't necessarily be of any great purpose to you at this moment. But what I'm going to do today is to talk about the overriding principle, the basic principle about God's kingdom. Now, I'm going to have to use a a phrase, a word, that some people find difficult because they misunderstand it. Our God is a holy God. Over the kingdom you have the king. And Jesus came, of course, as a king. And he was challenged by Pilate at his, uh, when he was being accused, saying, are you a king? And Jesus made it very clear, yes, he is a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. His, his is a spiritual kingdom. It is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the sovereign rule and reign of God. Now, what is the basis of the life of this kingdom? We can see the answer to that clearly in the book of Revelation. This last book in the New Testament gives us a vivid insight into what actually happens in the heavenly realm. It was an amazing vision given to the Apostle John. And what we see is there the... God is enthroned together with Jesus and all the heavenly host around are worshipping him. He is so great and so awesome, they fall before him in worship. They cast their crowns before him because God wants to give us all a crown. But we'll come to that another time when we look at the other principles of the kingdom. But they cast their crowns before him because god is just so much more wonderful and greater than any that he has made including all the host of heaven remember that god is the creator of the heavens and the earth so he actually created heaven and all these worshiping uh, beings that are in heaven before he created the earth as we know it so We have this wonderful insight into the whole of this heavenly host together with all the redeemed of the Lord who will go to be part of this heavenly host. We see them all worshipping God, but how are they doing that? Essentially, they're worshipping him in his holiness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Day and night, they never stop saying this according uh, to the scripture. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. When Isaiah had his vision in the temple of God, he heard the same thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And we shall see that, of course, when Jesus comes again. It will be evident then that the whole of the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Everyone will have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the essential nature of God's kingdom is holiness. And there's a scripture that says, without holiness... No one will see the Lord. When God saved you, you might think that he saved you to go to heaven. But actually, he saved you to make you holy. Because unless you are holy, you could not go to heaven. There cannot be anyone or any being in heaven that is not holy. Holy. Even Satan, who was Lucifer leading the heavenly choirs in worship of God, when he rebelled, immediately he got thrown out of heaven together with any angels that followed him. You cannot have anything that is unholy in heaven. So God had to make us holy. He alone is holy himself. He created the heavenly host to be holy and he sent his Son to save us from all our unholiness, to make us holy. Now, this is a word that many people are afraid of. We're not talking about holiness movements. We're not talking about people being severe and austere and almost joyless out of a more of a sense of self-righteousness than true holiness. No, we're not talking about anything like that. Who lived the holy life when he was on earth? And the answer to that is, of course, what Jesus did. And when you look at Jesus, you see holiness in action. And holiness is very positive. Holiness is not just a condition. Holiness is a way of life. So what you see in Jesus is he is really living the life of the heavenly kingdom here on earth. So everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did is an aspect of that holiness. And and above all, we see in Jesus that holiness is joyful. It was the anointing of the oil of joy that was upon Jesus that raised him above his companions. So holiness isn't being all somber and serious. It's not wearing long skirts and having long faces to go with them or anything like that. Holiness is being like Jesus. So when he healed the sick, that was an aspect of holiness. When he performed miracles, that was an aspect of holiness. When he taught the people the word of God, that was another aspect of holiness. When he exercised mercy and forgiveness, that was another aspect of his holiness. Everything he did was an aspect of his holiness. Now, the amazing thing is... that when you and I were filled with the Holy Spirit, when we received that precious gift, we received the Spirit of holiness. We actually received the same Spirit into our lives, into our bodies, that Jesus had in his life, in his body, when he was here on earth. We have no lesser Spirit, no lesser power, no lesser life than that which indwelt Jesus. But we don't see the same results in our lives as we see in Jesus. We we don't see the same love and we don't see the same compassion. We don't see the same grace and mercy. We may see these things partially, but not in the fullness, not in the way in which these things were demonstrated in Jesus. Why is that? Well, there was nothing in the life of Jesus that was counterproductive, that, that countered, that was against the holiness of his Father, of the holiness of the Spirit of God that was within Jesus. In other words, he didn't live in a conflict between holiness and unholiness. He lived a life where his whole being was submitted to the will of his Father, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And we know that when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross, he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He had a human will, but his human will was perfectly submitted to the will of his Father. So what we see is the the life of the kingdom of heaven, the life of his heavenly Father, being expressed through Jesus in everything that he said and did. Now, what God's purpose is for every, for every believer, for every Christian, for everyone that he has made a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, a child of the kingdom of God, is to see that kingdom life reflected in us. So he wants us to be living by these same principles of the kingdom that I'm going to be talking about in the coming weeks. But essentially, what he wants us to understand is that he is calling us to the holy life that Jesus lived, that our new birth is the beginning of that life, but then that life has to grow and develop in in our lives increasingly, transforming us, the scripture says, into the likeness of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. And this is a great thing about God's holiness. You can't separate his holiness from his love. Every aspect of of holiness is expressed in love. And you can't separate his love from his glory. His his holiness in heaven is glorious. And every time his holiness is really demonstrated and, and, and expressed in the lives of believers here on earth, something of the glory of God is being expressed in their lives. So this is a wonderful privilege that God should give us the gift of the kingdom and he should say to us, I want to see that kingdom life grow and develop in you so that you become more and more like Jesus. Now, this means that we have to face some serious questions. Each one of us, let me put these questions to you personally. Do you want to be holy? You say, well, I I don't know what that is going to involve. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't understand it. If this is God's will for you, do you want God's will for your life? If God's will for you is to be holy, then do you want to be holy because it is God's will for you? Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be transformed so that you become more and more like him? as the scripture says. Do you want God to deal with the aspects of your life that are not holy, with those things, if you like, that fight against the holiness of God in your life? Remembering you have the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit within you, to enable you to live the life that God is calling you to live. But God will not force us to live that life. He will not force us to do anything that he wants us to do. We have to do it with our willing cooperation so we can only live the holy life if that is what he's wanting us to live. We can only become more and more like Jesus if that is what we really want, if this is what we're seeking. Now, people want to experience revival and to see a mighty, wonderful move of the Spirit. And we believe that God is preparing us for that. And this message is a preparation for that because there's no revival without holiness. Now, I've experienced revival and I know that there is no revival without holiness. The holiness is not the revival itself, but it's an absolutely indispensable aspect of of revival. Wherever there is revival, there you see a holy people. There you see a people that are transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. In fact, all these great things of more and more people coming to the Lord, wonderful healings happening, miracles taking place daily, uh, 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 you know, without cease. It's, it seems that everybody's living at another spiritual level. It's because the holiness of God is being released in their lives. That's the cause. All the, all the wonderful events that take place are actually the consequence of what God has done in the hearts and lives of those who have been revived. You've you've heard me say before, don't pray for revival, but pray to be revived. And what does it mean to pray to be revived? That you become more like Jesus, That, that you want to be transformed in your being, so that you radiate more of His love, of His life, of His joy, of His peace, of His power, of His authority, of anything and everything that He is, and all that He has imparted to you by His Holy Spirit. So let's not be afraid of this word holy. Let's not think that it's something impossible or beyond you. You see, when you were born again, One of the things God did in that very first minute that we've been talking about in recent months is he sanctified you. He made you holy. He gave you a holy life and he put his Holy Spirit within you. So you are already a holy child of God. Whether you understand that or not, whether you like the idea or not, that is the reality. You are a holy child of God. So all through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God says, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, what I want to talk about just for the next few minutes is how this whole process of of really being the holy people that God wants us to be, how it begins, how it really begins to, to take off in our lives and to become something that's real and practical, not something that's theoretical. Listen to this scripture. It'll come up on your screen from Philippians chapter 2. Paul is talking to the whole church at Philippi. He's not talking just to leaders. He's not talking to pastors. He's talking to every believer, every Christian, in the church at Philippi. And of course, these letters, they circulated. They were written to one place, but then they were sent on. They were copied and sent on to other places as well. So they really became circular letters to the church of the time. So Paul was addressing every Christian when he said this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, we'll just stop there for a moment. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus. What kind of attitude did he have? A kingdom attitude. He saw everything that he was doing, everything that he was saying, everything that the Father sent him to accomplish in kingdom terms. He thought kingdom, spoke kingdom, acted kingdom, performed kingdom, signs and wonders. It was all kingdom. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus had what we could call a kingdom mentality or a kingdom attitude. He he didn't actually have a church attitude. He had a kingdom attitude. He said he would build his church. We won't build the church. He will build his church. But he knew that the only way that the church would ever be built was through a people that had kingdom attitude. So God's intention is for you and I to have a kingdom attitude. But what is that kingdom attitude? That kingdom attitude is holiness. This is the life of the kingdom. When you eventually go to heaven, you're not expecting to find anything unholy there. And there certainly won't be anything unholy there. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And you will only be able to enjoy those heavenly courts because he has given you sanctification, and he has worked in your life by the power of his Holy Spirit to transform you into his likeness. Now that's a continual process throughout our lives as Christians. By the time you die physically, it doesn't mean that 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 process is complete, but what the Scripture says is that when you see him as he is, then In the twinkling of an eye, suddenly you will be transformed. In other words, that which has not taken place progressively throughout your Christian experience will be completed at that moment. And that is what will fit you for heaven. The complete transformation will enable you to take your place that God has designed for you and is keeping for you in heaven for all eternity, to be part of his eternal rule and reign and all that that implies. So holiness is not an option. It's not something for really, really uh, excited Christians or serious Christians or, or those who are really devoted Christians. It's for every Christian to desire what God desires, for them now this holy attitude affects every area of your life and when we see in these coming weeks the different principles of the kingdom we'll see how this holy life this life of the spirit of holiness of the Holy Spirit who lives within us how that holiness impacts us to enable us to live by all the principles of the kingdom. None of them are impossible for us because the Holy Spirit makes them all possible for us. But first of all, we have to understand this basic principle of God's kingdom holiness. God cannot reveal himself or his kingdom and certainly not his holiness through sin. So if we're not serious about sin in our lives, then we're not serious about the holiness of God. And that means that we're not serious about the purpose of God for our lives. There's a sense in which all of us want to and probably do to a certain extent compromise. And that's why we are different from Jesus when he was on the earth. There was absolutely no compromise in his life. And and you see as you read the Acts of the Apostles that, that they didn't compromise even when they were persecuted, even when they had to face martyrdom for the sake of the gospel. They did not compromise. So God doesn't want us to compromise with sin. He doesn't sit down and and say, well, if if you worship me and if you tithe and if you do this and do that, then you've got the rest of your life to do what you like with. That's religion. It's not the Christian faith. That's having a sort of a, a religious attitude. That was the kind of attitude of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If they did their religious performance, then the rest of their lives didn't matter. God wasn't concerned with that. All he was concerned about was their religious performance. Well, forget it. Jesus absolutely showed what he thought of that kind of attitude. It's nowhere near the purpose of God. In fact, he said, you know, for all your religious fervor, you Pharisees, you've got hearts of corruption. Why? Because, you see, kingdom attitude comes from heart attitude. And what he was saying to those Jewish leaders is, you've got all your religious performance, but look at your hearts. You don't have a heart. I mean, this is paraphrasing, if you like, what Jesus said. You don't have hearts after the kingdom of God. If you had hearts after the kingdom of God, then you would accept me. You would believe in me. You would follow me. You would become my disciple." but because you don't have those kingdom attitudes, you reject me, you persecute me, you even want to kill me. And of course, the Pharisees denied that. No, 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 Don't silly, we don't want to kill you. But of course, all the time, they were plotting to do just that. And when Jesus went to the cross, they thought that they had had their way. They thought that they had won, that their religion had, had, had been successful. But of course, the resurrection of Jesus proved how completely wrong those Pharisees, those religious bigots were. No, the kingdom attitude means that we need to have kingdom hearts. So Jesus, when he came to earth, had a kingdom heart. Let's read on in Philippians chapter 2 and see what that meant. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus Who being in very nature God, and remember, because we've been born again, we have the nature of God, the new life of God within us. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Oh, I want you to listen to that. Made himself nothing. This is Jesus. He made himself nothing. What what, what does this mean? That Jesus had this attitude, apart from my father, I'm nothing. Because you see, what gives us identity in the eyes of God is the fact that God has given us new birth and made us his children. So in and of himself, without the father, Jesus would be nothing. He came and, and... lived among those who, without God, are nothing. He came and identified with us completely in that nothingness, even though he knew that he was Son of God, even though he knew that he was divine. But he also had this human nature, so he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He didn't come as the conquering king, which is what most Jewish people were expecting. He came as a servant. He said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He came to save people from their sin. He came to save them from their unholiness so that they could become a holy people and be in relationship with the holy God and participate in his holy kingdom and one day go into the holy glory of God in that holy kingdom for all eternity. Jesus didn't come to save us and just so that we could be blessed. You know, every, every Christian wants to be blessed, they want to be healed, but do they want to be holy? Do they really want to be like Jesus? Well, you can only answer that for yourself. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even unto death. Now, there you are. There's the essence Of holiness. It's a life of obedience. But it's not legalistic obedience to a written law, to a written code. No, no, no. This is loving obedience that comes out of a loving heart, that comes out of a heart that has the right attitude, kingdom attitude. He was obedient even to death. That's what God calls us to do to be obedient to Him out of love for Him, out of a desire to be like Him, out of a desire to please Him, out of a desire to live and reign with Him for all eternity. What was the result of His obedience? He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Then this is the result. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, now, beloved, you see the same principle is going to be true for you and for me and for all of God's children. That life of loving obedience, wanting to to fulfill his plan and purpose for our lives means that the result is going to be that just as he exalted Jesus to the highest place, so he's going to exalt us to the highest place that we can be in the highest heaven with God Almighty for all eternity. That's God's plan for all of us. He wants you with him for all eternity. But because he is holy and can never compromise his holiness, he had to make you holy to achieve that end. He had to sanctify you, give you the gift of the Spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, to enable you to live a holy life for his glory on this earth. And to see all the principles of the kingdom being exercised in your life as we shall see in the coming weeks. So that then you could enjoy the glory of heaven with him for all eternity. Oh, beloved, there's so much more. But let me just draw this together for you in this way. We could hear a message like this, look at ourselves and become discouraged and think, Oh God, there's so many things about my mind, about the way I use my eyes, about what I listen to, about the things I say and the things I do and the things I desire and the things that I want that are certainly not holy and they're not like Jesus. And we could think, oh, I seem to be so far off what the scripture is speaking about, what the pastor is speaking about. Well, if you feel like that, that's good. If you don't feel like that, you've got a problem. Because, you see, when we're faced with the truth, It's always an encouragement to us to know what God is able to work within us, but it's also a challenge to us. And unless we face the fact that there are things about us that are not like Jesus, that don't glorify him, that are not holy and and not the purpose of God in our lives, then we'll never do anything about them. But if you realize, well, there are things, There are, I mean, there are things in my life in my attitudes towards people, towards myself, towards others, even towards God. I mean, think, think of this attitude. Oh, I feel too tired to pray today. I mean, what kind of attitude is that? Towards Holy God. Oh, I... You know, there's so many other things I want to do. I can't be bothered to love this brother, love this sister in the way that is needed at this moment. What kind of an attitude is that? You see, that just shows how self can get in the way of God's holiness. In your flesh, in your self-life, there's nothing good, Jesus said. So if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to walk in his steps then it's not going to happen by looking at ourselves and saying, oh, there's so much about me that is just not like him. We recognize that, but what can we do about it? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, all those things, those negative things may be true, or some of them may be true about you, but that's because your focus is on yourself and on doing what you want and pleasing yourself. That's true for all of us. And what God wants is for us to get our eyes off of ourselves and our eyes onto him. Because, you see, if we're going to follow him, we've got to keep our eyes focused on him. He is the good shepherd who goes ahead of us. We know his voice and we follow him. We're not looking to the left or the right. We're not getting distracted by this or that of of what the world wants or what other people are trying to get us to do. We are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when we come to talk about these various principles of the kingdom, we shall see that the two main principles that that, uh, express this basic principle of holiness are love and faith. And you see, love keeps the focus on Jesus, not self. Faith keeps the focus on Jesus, not self. Holiness keeps the focus on Jesus, not self. It's what Jesus wants. And it's what the Spirit of God within you enables. So, beloved, I just want you to At least, at this point, come to this decision. But it does need to be a real decision. Lord, I want to be holy. I want your will for my life. I want to be part of your heavenly kingdom for all eternity. I want to take my place in glory that you have prepared for me. And before that, I want through your mercy and your grace to live the holy life that you want me to live. And if you come to that decision, then I can guarantee this, your life will be the most fruitful that it could possibly be. You see the fruitfulness of Jesus because he lived in perfect holiness. The more holiness in our lives, the more fruitfulness in our lives. It's just the way it is because it's God's kingdom way. So you want to see God doing more in you, God doing more through you. Well, where you start is fixing your eyes on your Holy Heavenly Father, your Holy Saviour, Jesus, and yielding yourself to the life of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will transform you more into the likeness of Jesus. He will speak through you. He will work through you. He will enable you to put into practice all the principles of the kingdom. And we will see that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught these principles. Pastor Goliath was talking about the Beatitudes that begin that sermon. But the rest of the sermon is all about different principles of the kingdom. It's really a tremendous sermon, collection of the sayings of Jesus all about how to live kingdom life. And he backed that up with all the parables that are parables about the kingdom. And a lot of those, you see, are parables of growth. That God put the seed of his kingdom, the seed of his holiness in you when you were born again. And he wants that seed to grow and to develop and to grow up within you. See more and more of his beloved Son in you as a result. And to see how you are then able to impact the lives of other people in a way that otherwise would not be possible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, We are the most privileged people on earth. That you should call us to be like you. And that you should send us your own spirit to live within us. And just as you sent Jesus to live the holy life, here on earth. So we thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit, your Spirit of holiness, into us to enable us to live the life of your Holy Kingdom here on earth. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid of holiness. But as we yield our lives to you, so you will create that holiness in us. That seed will grow and develop. And we will become the holy people that you want us to be. And by your wonderful mercy and grace, you will enable us to fulfill the plan and purpose that you have for us both personally and corporately as the body of Christ, your kingdom people. And we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen